Hey everyone, this is Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor. On today's episode, we talked about Patrick Mahomes' voice, his start to the season, the inside linebackers, and what we think is going to happen in the Chiefs-Jaguars game Sunday. Enjoy! Hey everybody, we are back at Arrowhead at the Chiefs practice facility. They're somewhere that way practicing. We're sitting around here doing other very important work, like analyzing whether or not Patrick Mahomes sounds like Kermit the Frog. Um, and I, I think we kind of can do a consensus that he does. Uh, we're going to go to Vahe right here. What I like about this is that while the three of you are studying game film, <laughs> um, my wife and I have been watching a lot of Sesame Street clips. This morning we watched Fozzie the Bear for eight minutes because I, I saw somebody on Twitter suggesting it was more like Fozzie, and I don't hear it. I, I think we're still with Kermit. Uh, in case you don't know what we're talking about, we've, we've sort of, uh, as Brooke put it, named the frog uh, elephant in the room with Patrick Mahomes' voice. We haven't really talked about it. I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but I didn't want to bring it up until Patrick brought it up. I felt like it would be kind of rude. I think that's what I wrote in the column today. Just, it is interesting. It's an unusual voice, but open the door for us a little, Pat. And he, and he yeah. did with that interview with Lisa Salters where he just brought up that that's how people tease him. So we're all out in the open on this now. And maybe nowhere near as amusing to anybody else but me, but um, well, it, it, it seemed like a column's worth of stuff today. It seems like it's been a topic just in some different, I mean, it's just anecdotal, but I mean, I listened to a couple different podcasts, and so I mean, like, I think Tony Kornheiser had mentioned it on his, um, Dan Lebertard on that radio show. So a couple of people have just sort of been like, talked about how they were surprised. Like, they might have seen his face, but then when they saw, when they heard the voice that came from it, they're all like, wait a minute, what? That's <laughs> so it's been said thing, that. It's time. taken people so long to hear his voice. I mean, yes, it's his first year as a starting quarterback, but like, my man was doing interviews before this week, but now that he's been on Monday Night Football, it's like everybody realized, like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. It's like the first, it, I mean, I don't know how long it took everybody to realize what Ed Orgeron sounded like, but it kind of feels like it's that same kind of impact of like, whoa, what is this? Well, no one here goes farther back or more in-depth with Patrick Mahomes than, than Sam. And uh, Sam, I, you, you haven't really talked about this very much. Maybe it doesn't interest you. Oh, it's, 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 have you been working on your impersonation? Yeah. Uh, I think like, like what Brooke just said, it's um, the first time you hear it, you can't help but like, it, it, yeah. it's jarring. Um, it is, but like after you hear it for a while, it's just funny like the different layers. Like people in Lubbock, right. people in Tyler, Texas, people in White House, yeah. they're like, oh, he was talking like that when he was 14, yeah. right? Uh, people in Lubbock, oh, he was talking like that since he was a freshman. Uh, and now it's just, if, if and when they make a Super Bowl, that'll be a thing. Oh my gosh, we're going to have voice experts. Media day. That'll be a thing. One thing that it makes me think yes, is uh, when I went to to White House and Tyler and and did that story over the summer, um, I met with a couple of his friends, and one of them, I asked, at some point I was just like, dude, we got to talk about the voice. (laughs) And and, and we went into it a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot going on there, you know. And then he called me. Um, We we had dinner, and uh, and I'm driving uh, back to Dallas to my hotel. And he called me, and he and he asked for two things that we talked about to be like just don't use, and uh, of course you know that's fine. Uh, and I actually forgot what the other one was, but one of them was his voice. And he goes, I just don't want it to seem like I'm making fun of him. Yeah. And and that's you know you had that in your column about it. It, it would have felt rude, but like Pat sort of like opened it up and sort of brought it all on him, which is you know very him. 
right? Yeah, now. yeah, it is. It goes back it's to just, something Brooke wrote last week and that we've been talking about, about for lack of a better term, how he owns things. Mm -hmm. And he, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, he's very real about yeah. whatever, whatever he's dealing with. I wonder if, away from us, if he has that kind of like self-deprecating humor. Because he, he's shown it to us a little bit. I mean, owning the voice thing. But I we, bet. We haven't heard like him be sarcastic or anything. I, I kind of hope that he is, that he is with that. I mean, also because that's my sense of humor. Uh, but I, I think he has to own the voice stuff. But what I'm interested in, he said that, like, he started getting teased about it in seventh grade. So until seventh grade, and you mentioned this in your column, is it that kids just started to notice in seventh grade that it was different? And, you know, that's when you start making fun of each other? Or did he, like, puberty happen and his voice ended up like that? I wish we could have gotten one more question in on that. I will speak as a former seventh grader who had the name Baje <laughs> and will say, and also moved to a new school that year in a new state. Oh, no. That was not a good time. <laughs> so I think maybe it's a tough time to have that voice. Now, what we don't know is if the voice suddenly sprouted then or if it was just, you know, kids turning into punk jerks at seventh grade, which some kids did. It does. That does happen yeah. sometimes. So I don't know. But he seems to have recovered from it. Doesn't sound at all like you're still. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't sound at all like you're still bearing any. Uh, I'm okay. You know what can I do? Now I, kids. I'm like Patrick. Now, now I treasure having my my different kind of name. But, but back then, but it took you a while to own it. Yeah, you know, we met uh, your your buddy Ryan Clark last week, and I told him that would be the name I would like to have had at that age. A name that is kind of cool yeah. and, and but sort of not that different. Um, <laughs> Hey, sorry, we're really getting far well, afield. Sorry, uh, sorry, host. Um, Let me just bring this. Name would you like? To <laughs> <laughs> well, I would. You know what? I'll tell you guys you this. Because one time in fifth grade, I wrote down that my name was Jamie because it was right after a walk to remember. Except I wrote it down on a test that we had to turn in, and so the teacher got in. And said, <laughs> called me out into the whole room and said, "Jamie." <laughs> That was me, and that's when I stopped uh, assuming fake names. Um, but let's talk about football instead, and not any more of my embarrassing moments from elementary school. Um, <laughs> so Patrick Mahomes has a unique voice. Also won the AFC Player of the Month in September, surprising absolutely no one. But, I mean, at, at this point, what can he do? But I didn't realize he'd thrown for 1,200 yards. It was such a nice round number, even number that yeah. I assumed somebody was rounding up. But now, like... Along with everything else that he is just amazing, and what like how does this happen? His numbers is perfect through um, through the first four weeks. So uh, let's. I think we should mention the most. I don't know Patrick Mahomesian moment of the first month that made you go, huh? Yeah, this guy's legit. I mean, because we saw in training camp he's throwing all these interceptions and everything, and people are kind of up and down on him, but. What moment to you sticks out from him in the first month that helped him get this award? What's interesting is there's so many, right? And um, it's very easy to think of the left-hand pass. It's very easy to think of the, the basically the next full play from scrimmage, the second and 30, where he throws at 23 yards. Sam had a great point uh, today that maybe the, <laughs> the throw to Demarcus Robinson that he couldn't hang on to in the end zone. Uh, but I do believe one play comes back to me, and it's the 1,700-word uh, play that <laughs> Sam wrote about. Uh, <laughs> under, 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 under 1,700. Under. Is that right? 1,698? 16 yeah. 16 and change. Um, but it was that, right? It was that, it was that moment that it it encapsulated everything for me. So I stole Sam's idea, as usual. I was going to say, jeez, that's brutal. You wrote 1,600 words about it. <laughs> <laughs> you just summed it up in like 10. <laughs> job is on the block now. Um, I thought the, uh, I mean, there's many correct answers here, right? Uh, but one thing, so I won't 
do that one with a left-handed throw. But that, that second and 30, and not – here's what it was. It was like when they got to second and 30, we were sitting next to each other by it, and I was 100% certain that they were going to convert that. I knew you, and you said something. To, I don't remember your words, yeah. but we were. I think oh, we were. Broncos are in trouble now. Yeah, <laughs> and we weren't really joking. No. I mean, you know, and I think we all had sort of the feeling like I think the line maybe one of us used it might have been any one of us something along the lines of well they've got to play for this. Yeah, I think it was no, you. It was oh. oh. And 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 the um, once okay so so I felt confident, but then once he escapes to his right, they like, oh jeez. They're gonna let him escape the pocket to his right on second and thirty. You can't have that, you know. I mean, it was just like that's the difference. Like second and thirty last year, you know. No offense to Alex Smith, I think he's a good quarterback. All that disclaimer aside, uh, but that would have been a tunnel screen or some little like center screen to Kareem Hunt, and would have got eight. And then they've got third and twenty-two, and then you know, I mean, that's how that right, right. It's just everything's different now. Yeah, Lynn, something on your mind on that? I mean, I guess I would say. The uh, the infamous 17, 16 and change <laughs> word uh, play, but I guess just to to go in a different um, direction, I would, I would go back to maybe that first pass of the season, the touchdown to Tyreek, just because um, it happened so fast, and that's sort of the way I think about this year. Is like I didn't expect him to be this good this soon, and just the fact that the first pass come out. It was the run pass option one where he throws it into this little tight window and boom, off to the races. And it's like, it's not supposed to be that easy. <laughs> You're not supposed yeah. to just come out there throwing touchdown passes as yeah. soon as you take the field. But that's how he started this season. <laughs> one thing I want to just quick add, and it's something we've all taken notice of and written about in various forms. But one thing that's really interesting with this is this takes me back to the uh, preseason game at Atlanta, the 70-yard pass to Tyreek. Part of the point of that play wasn't just that Patrick threw it as far as he could or almost as far as he could. It was the mentality of uh, never quit on Pat. Mm-hmm. And that has shown up again and again. Even though Tyreek and Pat, I thought, had a weird game at Denver, there were some mm-hmm. two, three mis- clear miscommunications between them. The left-handed pass play was about as much about Tyreek following and being where he was as it was about Patrick doing that, right? I mean, it's they, they know every play is going to be extended, not just that it could be. And these guys are rising to that in a, in a pretty meaningful way. I mean, it, it, it brings that out of them. Mm-hmm. Austin, Johnson, Austin Johnston mentioned on Facebook, and I, I don't know that the stat's true, but I'm going to say it out loud because it sounds really cool. And if it is, that's awesome. We'll check into it. But he said, FYI, on second and 30, that's the only time a Chiefs quarterback has converted uh, a something in 30 to go for a first down since 1994 without a defensive penalty. Wow. I'd like Which to is an oddly specific stat, so yeah. I don't know how – I don't even know how you look that up. Uh, Austin, if you're still watching, let us know how you found that because that is – Game really by cool. game by game. He said – No. The, he had a, something, yeah. That in 1994 is as far back as the data goes, so I don't know where that – he said, check pro football reference play finder. How about oh, that? Good to know. Thanks for the information. Um, and I'm going to go with one of my favorite moments. And it wasn't during, I mean, it was during the game, but it wasn't when he was on the field. And it happened Monday night uh, when I went back and rewatched it. Uh, people on Twitter were talking about how Andy and, and Patrick were having these constant, commu- constant conversations during the game. Um, and I think I wrote about that today. 
And I think to me that shows his willingness to learn and the support that he has from the staff and that kind of plays into the success that he's having. I mean, he had all these people surrounding him. Uh, I took a screenshot when I was watching it uh, back last night. And it's tough when you're rewatching a game for the moments that are off the field. It's not like I can go through my play-by-play and be like, all right, well, here's the touchdown. Let me fast forward to that. So I was having to rewatch the whole TV broadcast to see when they cut to it. And in the third quarter, he comes off the field and they show him. He has Andy on one side and Chad Henney on the other side. Chad has his tablet. Andy has his play sheet. And they're just going through and they're studying thing by thing. And it almost felt like, you know, you forgot that there was a game going on on the field right in front of them because they're so into what they're doing. And it's a communication that Andy said he hasn't had with a quarterback since Alex Smith's first year and then early in Donovan, in Donovan McNabb's career. Um, and I think that just shows that they're doing everything possible to make him successful. And Chad Henney told me yesterday that Patrick is not going to say yes to everything. Like if Andy says, hey, I think we want to do this call, if he sees something out there that doesn't fit or he's not comfortable with it, he is not afraid to say, no, I don't think so, which is so rare, I think. I think that is fascinating, right? Don't you guys? I mean, like he feels ready to say, "Um, yeah, no, not not for me. And I I, I know Chad probably didn't. Get specific, right? But no, he didn't say. Well, he wouldn't actually really liked this guy. Yeah. He hated this one. But, but wouldn't it be interesting to know what what he's what he's rejecting? Well, yeah. Seeing what he does out there, I mean, how crazy! Yeah. What what like mad scientist stuff is Andy Reid giving him? And Pat's like, okay, no, now you've gone too far. <laughs> <Yeah>. this, <laughs> this is where the line has been crossed. Or maybe he's throwing out like, I don't want that vanilla nonsense. Right. Right. You know. Deep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every play, we're going deep, whether you like it or not. Well, can I say one like uh, one thing? This may be one of the very few things that has not been talked a lot about with with Pat Mahomes. Um, I'm just looking at this number right now. He is third in the league. Sack percentage is 3.5%. Last year, I looked this up. Um, Alex Smith with the same line, same coach, all that stuff was at 6.5%. Alex Smith is a really good athlete, right? Like, that's that's not the problem. But there's something different. Look, we're a fourth of the way through the season, so whatever. But Pat makes that offensive line better than it is. Um, the, the escapability. I, I sent a tweet out today about, like, it was the first drive of the second half, and there were three third downs where he could have slash should have been sacked, and he was sacked on none of them. And one went for 24 to Demetrius Harris down the sideline. One went for 29 when he kind of pirouetted uh, to Travis Kelsey, and then the other one was that you know superhero throw to Demarcus Robinson that, that hit his hands and, and he didn't catch. Would have been a really tough catch. Like Demarcus Robinson talks like it was just like breadbasket. It would have been a really good catch, but still hit his hands. And I, I just and, and that was escaping one guy and getting blasted by another. Those are little plays that that turn out positive that I think with a normal human quarterback are sacks. And it's one of the few things that we haven't been talking about with Pat. What was the number you that, that you said three point five percent um and, Who's and, number one? Uh Philip Rivers at three point three percent. So they they've been sacked the same amount of times. Um Pat hundred and thirty eight attempts, uh Rivers hundred and forty seven. So they're essentially the same, right? right. Um, and and last year's was what you're asking. Last year, Alex Smith. Uh, I'm just going to double check. They had some really bad sack game early last year. I mean, where I think six sacks or something against them. I can't remember what it was. Um, I I might be wrong on that yeah, stat. Six point five percent. Maybe the third game or whatever. Okay, no, it wouldn't have been then. But I, I think a game they won, they had a lot of sacks, or maybe they had four. In the, maybe they had four against the Eagles. Anyway. Um. But to your point, there's two things happening here, aren't they? One is we can all just close your eyes and you picture 
him on the run throwing a lot. Mm-hmm. So that, that's happening. But the other thing, I think this is true, and actually I, I, I was talking to Trent Green today about a couple things on, on Patrick. And his observation was that Patrick, his ability to still be in the pocket and get it away is, is a little faster than we even realize, even when he's not flush from the pocket completely. Like the, play, the throw to DeMarcus, I guess he's out of the pocket, right? He's, he's, gone, he's drifted to his left. But part of that is he's just – it's not about him being out in open field. It's about they're still seizing, closing on him, mm-hmm. and he feels it. We were joking about this the other day about how Von Miller uh, didn't know Patrick threw it left-handed, but Patrick knew it was Von Miller. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. part of it might have been that after they got up, he knew who tackled him and everything. But there's, there's some kind of sense of it closing on him. I think like we talked about this sense. too, right? You just don't, yeah, it's the spider sense. The spidey watch. Um, <laughs> it, but it, it is that, right? It's that something, it's that certain something that not everybody has. And I think part of it might also just be his in tuneness to the protections too, because I think Kafka was in here last week and talked about that was one of the biggest things that he sort of grew, or biggest areas where he grew that last year when he was just in practice. Because he said that was something that he didn't necessarily have to do a whole lot of at Texas Tech. And here they put that on the quarterback. And he's talked about that being a big area of growth for him, just understanding protections and things like that. And I feel like when you see him scramble like the Von Miller play, um, you know, the left-handed throw, I think part of that was him knowing who was going to be coming free and where they're going to be coming from. And that's why he's able to do that. And, you know, I think that's part of that. But there's also just some, you know, there's athleticism and just feel and stuff in there too, but I think that's part of it is just the understanding of what's coming and where it's coming from and you know how to handle that. But that doesn't just knowing it doesn't mean you can do it. It's, it's right. all of that, you know. I you think uh, the, the, Alex was sacked 16 times in the first four games, okay. three, four, five, and four. And what's Patrick like? Five total or five four? Total. Five total. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. Remarkably different. Yeah. Um, a th- a thing that you just made me think of, and it, we've we've talked about things around this, but I don't think we've ever really talked about this. Obviously, the Chiefs did the right thing with cultivating Patrick, having Alex here last year. Alex had a great year, all those things. I, I have wondered in my mind how Patrick would be if they had just thrown him out there last year. How different would it, would it, would it be? I think quite a lot different, but More I don't know. Like Sam Darnold-esque throwing a pick six on his first uh, Right, maybe, maybe. First throw, yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I just wonder if, and there's no way to know, but I wonder if you guys have any thoughts about that. I have a thought, um, and this comes from, I'm kind of bowing to uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who obviously knows him better than any of us. And Cliff said he thought that Pat could have got by fine, like could have, you know, that, that in a lot of this he put on Andy Reid, you know, He'll scheme some things up and, and he'll be able to protect him. But he said, like, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, I really hope he gets that year. Like, that'll be a big thing for him. And that's obviously Cliff Kingsbury. Some of Cliff Kingsbury's career depends on Pat Mahomes' success in Kansas City. You know, so he can say, I coached that guy, I recruited him. He was a three star, you know, number 11, rec- you know, quarterback in the country. And, and, and look what he is now. Like, so, so he's got a vested interest in this. And that was his, I thought that point of view. Was was really interesting. Yeah. No, you know, let him. Yeah. This red shirt would be good mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. And I think we sort of just, you know, I don't know if we um, just take it as a given <laughs> or underestimate the value of what's what probably went on in practice because you know obviously nobody was there to see it. But 
um, when you talked to whether it was Eric Bieniemy, I think I had asked him about you know sort of what sort of things you knew from just seeing him practice would translate to the game, and he talked about you know obviously you could see the progress, but just going up against Bob Sutton's defenses, he thinks helped him just with being able to recognize things when it came to game time. And I remember asking uh, Chad Henney actually one time about just how much you can translate from practice. And he said that he thought actually that the way they do things here and Andy Reid is making the quarterback take care of a lot of things in practice, like, you know, that you're not stopping stuff and, you know, that you have to, if there's something wrong in practice, you're, you, the quarterback, have to be able to set things up and put people in the right spots just even in practice. He thought that helped get guys ready for a game. So I think that, you know, that year probably had a whole lot of an impact. And then you talk about Kafka talking about him just, you know, being better with protections. Like there's no way for us to measure it or to be able to quantify it because you weren't there in practice and you didn't actually see what it would have been if he had been out there. But it sounds like from all those different people that there were a lot of things that he got used to and that he got sort of thrown into in practice. And maybe he did make a whole lot of mistakes that we just never saw. Yeah. But now we, we see the end result of that. Yeah. Don't, don't underestimate the game last year. I mean, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I think that's. I still think that's such a critical component of the building of Patrick Mahomes to have had that game in the stadium where he played. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. Um, also, while just real quick, we've had someone ask. Uh, we've had Michael Rutland ask who everybody is. Realized I skipped the introductions. I was so excited to talk about Kermit Mahomes. Uh, <laughs> we have columnist Vahi Regorian right here. Other columnist Sam Mellinger right there. Lynn Worthy down there. We've got Blair as our producer back there. He's whenever he and Blair voice of God and voice of God. Blair isn't mic'd up, but he has a lot of really good insight. So he's just going to shout really loud, and hopefully that will pick up on one of these four mics. Uh, I'm Brooke Pryor. Also, um, realize I never introduced myself because again, so excited. Um, but I, Brandon Fry mentions that this game Sunday is a game where Andy's creativity will be really relied upon. The pass rush should create some problems. Going to have to get out, get the ball out quick and create advantageous matchups. This is the toughest defense that the Chiefs have faced. It kind of feels like the Broncos game was a good warm-up for that. Vahe, you look like you've got some The only thought is just, it's just a, a very uh, minor observation, but it's gonna, the weather's going to be a factor. I mean, it, it's, it looks like it's supposed to be raining uh, all game. Um, and you know, they're, they Dave Tobe was talking. The special teams coordinator Dave Tobe was talking today about how they they, they seem to want it to rain today, and it's not. But they're going to have to do some of their, you know, double secret tricky wet ball uh, drills. And but they're they're going to be working on that. And they need that. And and you can make a case that's going to hinder the Chiefs. Should hinder the Chiefs more than it would um, Jacksonville. Of course, the kid got his first start in 18 degree weather and. In Denver, so you know maybe maybe it doesn't matter that much. I say, what's the thing that's gonna yeah, that's gonna slow him ooh, down? Ooh, rain. I mean, I don't know, but but I but, but I think it is interesting though. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think it also helps the Chiefs that Kareem Hunt just got going last week. I mean, yeah. he, he's been this kind of slow build. The enemy said, oh, he's really good. You know, you guys aren't seeing it, but he's running his ass off. Like you're gonna, and then it kind of feel like felt like that all came to fruition against the Broncos. So yeah. probably a good time to get him going. Do you guys have any thoughts about? this matchup against uh, the Jags defense? Sometimes I think the rain is a little bit overrated in terms of can you throw in it, you know? Um, I guess there's, there's a danger of like a ball slipping, right? But in theory, the offensive player knows where he's going, the defensive player doesn't. So if, if the traction is diminished for both sides, that should be advantageous to the offense. Um, all that being said, uh, 
Jacksonville's good against the run and the pass. I guess a little bit better against the pass. I got some dudes up front that can get to the quarterback. But I think we've talked about this a lot this year already. Like, I know it sounds dumb that, you know, Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing last year, but that's who I would make beat me, you know? If, if yeah, I yeah. That's what I would be scheming against to, to, to make the league's leading rusher beat you. One, one quick aside about the ball throwing, though, too. I don't know if this is different with Patrick or maybe it's just the same as with anybody, but one of the things I think sometimes – you don't want to criticize this, but there's a little velocity issue sometimes with how fast it comes in and with a wet, heavy ball. I mean, I don't know how wet and heavy it'll be, how quickly they replace them and and keep them dry. But, but I do wonder about that. But I think, but I also think you're right. I think that was a little part of their game plan last week, right? They were going to make, make stopping Kareem beat them. Of course, they always have this passing game they can use, but Kareem was a bigger part of the game plan. Um, and, and that, more opportunities yeah. for him, too, like just the way that, that Denver was playing him. But yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town, just eight cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash sports pass. Carla Bay Miller trainer asks, was Kelsey hurt when he was slammed slash pushed out of bounds with the one catch in the end zone? He hasn't been on the injury report, so. Nobody came. Did he come out? He he came out for a play, I think. Yeah, came out for a play. But then came back in. Yeah. yeah, Like the next play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it was ever asked, but I just assumed, I guess, that maybe it was one of those wind got knocked out of him deals. Because when he got up, like he was down. Then he got up and walked off. It wasn't like they yeah, had to help him. Yeah. So I wonder if that's one of those you landed funny and like had to sort of couldn't catch his breath sort of thing. Yeah, and I then, think that's what it was. You know, and then he come he came right back. So it was like whatever it was wasn't that you know. But yeah, he hasn't been from what I remember he wasn't on the injury report yesterday. I don't think. No, uh, I didn't uh, notice him. You know, one thing. This is kind of. You make a good point. I can't believe he stayed in the game and then went on to do everything he did after that one, you know, waffle, pretzel, whatever guy. Um, One quick thing about injuries. I I don't want to use his name just because it it was kind of just a casual conversation, but I was chatting with uh, one Chiefs player today, and I I said, well, it's good to see you looking healthy. And and he kind of smiled, and I said, "As, as far as I know, and he just goes, as far as you know. <laughs> and I think that's something going on with all these guys, right? I mean, it's just no way around it. It's a violent game, and uh, who knows who knows what everybody's dealing with. But at least overtly, Kelsey seems Right, and, and okay. I think the fact that he's not on the injury report yeah. is, is good. Yeah. Um, because there are some – I've looked at other people tweeting out the injury reports for the teams they cover, and they are extensive. And the fact that the Chiefs has still been – pretty short, I think is encouraging, which this is a great segue uh, into our weekly what's going on with Eric Berry question, um, which has been asked by multiple people. Refer to the previous 
week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just rinse, repeat. We're not. He is getting better though. Although we heard that and also this week was the return of the literally day to day. That's right. It's um, the longest day today I've ever seen. Hey, somebody pointed this out to me, and this is only speculation, but uh, uh, Eric, do you think Eric overall just physically looks healthy? I, I, I mean, everything. The times we see him, yeah. 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 Nothing looks, he doesn't look like he's moving. I mean, he's just walking around. So, I mean, it's yeah. how much you really tell but Does he look I mean, gaunt or anything? Does no, he, it doesn't no, look like that to you? Like looks the same. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, he's doing, like, you'll hear from, people inside the building like he's doing his workouts like he's doing box jumps and you know i mean he's wonder why they won't box why jumps they, on a sore heel sounds so painful why would they talk publicly about that like why why will they just say oh you know getting better doing all those things like i, I want to know what those things team. are yeah because they're an nfl team yeah i guess that's yeah. but he looked, um, i mean to me like but i mean we've been it's groundhog day right but like in training camp he's walking around with his eric berry walk you know mm-hmm. and he looks to me the same. He just continues to get better, though. Le- left ankle's a little <laughs> more swollen than the right ankle. We noticed that today. Yep. Did you do some, some ankle staring? Yes, we did do some ankle <laughs> staring in the locker room today. Whatever you got to do. Whatever, however, we're going to get the information. Um, but in, uh, Jacob Calloway asked, when do the Chiefs expect Sorensen to come back? He doesn't expect Barry to come back at all. But Sorensen, actually, somebody mentioned him earlier this week, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he is, we are getting close to that. Is it six weeks after surgery that they expected an update? Well, is eligible. Yeah, well, but I'm trying, when was it? It was six weeks was when he was going to be reevaluated, right? Right. Which, I mean, and, and it was multiple things part, as parts of that injury. So, like, reevaluated. I never assumed when they said that that, that meant, okay, around that time, they're going to say he'll be back, he'll be right, back yeah. or he'll be X amount of time away. I mean, this could be another one of those. Okay, we reevaluated them, and now. He's literally day to day. You know, I mean, I don't expect literally that to be Literally minute time. to minute. Yeah. Like, Week eight, I think, is what they're okay. softly targeting. For Eric or Sorensen? It's, it's sort of... I originally heard this week for Barry. That's, yeah, that's... <laughs> and I heard this week or next, right? But, again, I, I still think this, too. Don't, do you guys... I think we've talked about this, but he, he's not going to start practicing on Wednesday and play that Sunday. I don't know. I, I think that that's right. hard to do. You know, we get to see 10 minutes of practice. He's never practicing. Um, I, I, I just don't see how he would be game ready without having, you know, uh, he's a pro and he's, right. he's a veteran mm-hmm. and all that, but there's no way you go from not playing for however many, almost two months now, right? August, September, and then mm-hmm. going into the lineup. It's, I could see him getting 20 snaps, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I guess that's right. Like that. If, if, if um, yeah, limited, very limited play. Yeah, get them uh, out there. I mean, who knows? Who knows I, how they do it? I think I just keep. <laughs> yeah, I keep remembering when um, I think Bob Sutton was talking about uh, Le'Veon Bell and how there was that one year where he hadn't. I think he was. He was, It was different. It was suspension, but he came back that week and jumped right in like he didn't miss any time. And I think it was maybe only three weeks or something like and that. And surprised the Chiefs, I think, was part of the term Bob used, yeah. right? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. So I wonder if, <laughs> if he comes back on a Wednesday, if he plays that week and just maybe doesn't play as many snaps, you know, mm-hmm. for Eric Berry. Well, mentioning some of the other DBs this week, the Chiefs added Josh Shaw, who, I don't know, do you guys remember what he was known for before he just signed with the Chiefs earlier this week? I feel like you mentioned it in twi- on Twitter, but I don't remember it. Anybody else know it? 
he was known for? He was known for something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Blair knows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in 2014, I believe, while he was still at USC, yeah, Cal, right? yep, he was the player that broke both of his legs jumping off a balcony. Oh, oh he into said, the Yeah, pool. he okay. said that it was to I save the kid. Yeah. It was because he was actually having an argument with his girlfriend, jumped off the balcony yeah. to get to run away from the police. And now he is with the Chiefs. Uh, he was with the Bengals the last couple of years, played safety, I believe, but he was a corner in college. So he does give them a versatility. Um, what do you guys think about, about this signing? Now I that think you just, just told me the most interesting part yeah. about it. I can't believe I didn't remember that was, that was it. Um, can I, I'll just please. One of the interesting things to me is it leaves the Chiefs with two tight ends. And how many, how many games in their history have they had yeah. two tight ends on the roster? Just Kelsey and Harris. Well, We've seen sure. games where they had three on the field. Yeah, well, I was going to say. We've yeah. seen games where they had three on the field. Yeah. yeah. Right. Three tight ends on the field. As soon as I saw that, I just it made me think of that first game of the season, how Andy talked about Sherman sort of filling in as that third guy. And I think once they saw it, now they felt comfortable with it because, I mean, they sort of talked around it before the season, like, oh, yeah, we think we'll be all right and we'll get, you know, it would only be a week. But I think it worked out well enough and they – they look at it and say, okay, we don't need a third guy. And do they yeah. still have two tight ends on the practice squad? Because I know they added one this morning. There was one last week or two weeks ago that they added that we all thought, why did they add another tight end? But today they released uh, Leon McQuay or cut Leon McQuay in favor of another tight end whose name I'm drawing a blank on. But we saw him in the locker room today. Um, his name is got a, uh, Dion Yelder. Was signed. Did the Chiefs haven't announced that? Have they? Uh, they have not, but I got it confirmed, and his um, agency tweeted it out. My thing with Shaw, I think that we're going to see a lot of this, like of you know, street guys. Bring it in, guys. Um, one interesting thing. I don't know if he's hurt. I guess I he he hurt his groin in the preseason. Third preseason game, right? Well, um, the guy I was thinking of is uh, Tyvon Branch. Um, Next chief, yeah, Tyler. he was here um, and was pretty good. I mean, that was like 2015, I yeah. think. Uh-huh. Um, but he was pretty good here. I think he's like 31, something like that. So he's not super old. Um, yeah, he's 31. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a guy that they may, you know, maybe a guy to keep in mind because their safeties. Ron Parker had a rotten. He was terrible. He started um, out so hot, and I feel like we haven't really heard from him since. Yeah, game. he did. I don't know if they win that game without him. That was a hell of a play that he made. And he, and he had some good stops in the run game. Um, his bad snaps in the pass game got, you know, washed away with drops. Was, uh, he, was he the one beaten on the Demarius Thomas uh, would-be touchdown to lose it the game? It looked like it was, that was him to Or me. part of him. I, mean, I guess it was. Skandrick kind of like passed yeah. on. I don't know if that was a mistake. Parker was late. Right. But you right could see a lot of times, like, the, the Broncos, like, that seemed to be part of what they were trying to do was pick on Ron Parker, and, and he did not answer the bells. So I'd expect them to try and – I mean, they cut him once already. Yeah. Right? Um, He's been – how many times – I mean, he had a long run here before that, but remember, he was cut, like, nine times. Yeah. But he – I mean, it was, yeah, a, it was some kind of almost record. I mean, some of it's just semantics. But uh, anyway, I like Ron Parker. I hope he plays better. I think it's somebody else that we've been asked about. Uh, Chris Boone wants to know, has Hitchens fallen off already? Week one and two, he was just about the one consistent tackler. Now he is literally getting dragged into end zones. 
literally, which we did see literally happen. Well, we, we did, and I think as we talked, we might have talked about this a little bit Monday night. I, I, it was sort of, I don't know if it was symbolic of everything else, but it, it sort of was, right? I mean, they're not tackling well. And no. the two middle guys, I think you studied this, Sam, the two middle guys really are struggling particularly. Um, no, yeah, they've been terrible. I'm going to look up. Um, I, I think those two guys, the running backs and tight ends in particular, have just killed this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of it is the tight ends can't cover. Um, you mean the can't be covered. Or, yeah, they can't I'm cover sorry, the tight the ends. The linebackers yeah. can't cover. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to look up the tackling here. Missed, missed tackles. Uh, look toward the bottom. There's Reggie Ragland with seven. Uh, Anthony Hitchens with four. Ron Parker with six. I mean, it's just like way too many. And and those numbers seem a little low. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we saw a ton of them. I mean, th- th- I keep going back to it, but that touchdown by Freeman, you know, and, and there were six guys that had a shot at him. And, you know, nobody did. Obviously, Hitchens, like, yeah, that was really I mean, bad. It was just, you know, there's. They got some problems. As I, uh, Mitch Connell asked, what's going on with inside linebackers? Can't stop the run. Can't cover the pass. We miss DJ. Is it scheme or talent? Well, I mean, I, don't, I mean, Reggie, Reggie's not in the cover. I mean, that's just, I mean, I think, and that's why Terrence Smith gets as much time as he does. When they can, like, it's a situation where they know it's more likely pass. Reggie's coming out because he's not, he's not in there to cover. He's in there to go downhill and try and stop the run. That being said, Denver's line did a heck of a job of getting to them, and like there wasn't a whole lot of getting down. And then there was times uh, where, you know, they were in the right spot, and the missed tackles, you know, guys weren't, you know, just weren't making the play. And some of that's them. Some of that's like there was a play that you know the film study that I put up today, um, where they sort of filled gaps, and then Kendall Fuller comes up, and he's the one who's there for the tackle, but uh, Royce Freeman's like two thirty and just lowered the shoulder on him and kept on going, you know. Um, so I don't think it's always the same thing, but it's too many things is what's yeah. going on there as far yeah. as stopping around. That's a really good point. Um, let's go ahead and make some Jacksonville predictions. We are running low on battering, so at risk of <laughs> cutting this off before, like, I don't want to leave you guys on a cliffhanger. We're going to just go ahead and throw these predictions out there. Um, let's go ahead with a score prediction and how it's going to happen. Uh, Lynn, we're going to start with you. Sorry, I didn't see that you were on your phone. Uh, if anybody else is prepared <laughs> to go first. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, right, Chiefs, Chiefs 27, uh, Jacksonville 21, uh, Kareem Hunt with uh, the game-winning touchdown in the last last five minutes. I like it. Boom. Sam, what you got? Um, I don't know. Uh, 20, 35, 30, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I can't, they're going to lose. They're not going to win both these games. That's what I believe, uh, Jacksonville and New England. I think they're going to lose at least one of them, and I'm trying to figure out if I think it's this one or the next one. Uh, why not, let's say, 27, 24 Jacksonville? Whatever. Hater. Man. <laughs> can't wait for these tweets. <laughs> well, it's either that or we're going to be that, that old Saturday Night Live skit about just all of us picking the Bears. Yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> you know, on thanks for... Can we all get, like, the Ditka mustaches? Like, thanks for keeping us honest. Yeah. I'll jump on it. Uh, so, I guess I, I'll i stick with them this week just because... You don't I, want to hate tweets, too? Um, well, I mean, I'll just mute those. Of them. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll bring the score down more than I have recently. So, let's say I'll give them 30 this week. We'll give them 30 to... 24. I'll give the Chiefs the win 30 24 on this one. I think I'm going to go Chiefs 
Chiefs 21, Jacksonville 19, and Harrison Butker makes a field goal in the rain. How about that? To win it. Seven field goals with that 21, maybe. Yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> Could be. Or safety. I'm not, I'm not oh, good no. at math. Yeah, figuring out how people get to that number. Maybe oh, there's an entry misplay. 23, 23, 19. What's math? Seven. Seven field goals. Mahomes mania would take a, a hit with seven field goals. <laughs> sure would. <laughs> I'm going to have to not start him this week in my fantasy team. We've seen it. Cincinnati? Cincinnati. Yeah. Santos, seven field goals in a 35-21 loss. Oh, that game inspired a jingle, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I wrote country. <laughs> oh, my gosh. With the background noise of the, uh, the, the Bengals touchdown thing. Whatever <laughs> it was, every touchdown. I think one of you guys has to sing it, otherwise. Uh, I, think we, I think we know what it says. <laughs> well. well, in honor of D Ford, we have left 5% on the 5% left. So on that note, we're going to send it uh, offline, and we'll be back Sunday night to break down what happens in the Chiefs-Jags game. But until then, you can follow all our work on all of our Twitter accounts uh, and also KansasCity.com and in your paper every morning. So until next time, follow us there. <laughs>